Hi there, you're listening to Citizen Reporter number 424 for the 19th of June, 2012. Let's go. Roll me up and smoke me when I die. And if anyone don't like it, just look up in the eye. I didn't come here and I ain't leaving, so don't sit around and cry. Just roll me up and smoke me when I die. Hi everyone, Mark with you here in Amsterdam, and we're continuing the series on drug policy here in the Netherlands. This whole rumor that's been flying around, or the, the half-facts that perhaps you've read in your newspaper about what's changing in the Netherlands, and of course, the effects that that has internationally. Now, in a previous program, we had uh, Frank Pollock, who was speaking about the, especially the policy situation as someone that visits Parliament quite a bit and travels internationally. My goal here was to also have other voices who are uh, following what's happening, who are involved, in fact, in some way or another, with what is happening here in the Netherlands and could properly inform people uh, about the truth, the reality. Uh, so I'm here in the home. Uh, it's my great honor uh, to be with Nell here in Amsterdam. Uh, hi, Nell. Hello. And um, I had the great fortune of being introduced to you. Um, Nell, you work in a coffee shop. That's right. Uh, perhaps some people listening have come to Amsterdam. They've walked in and been greeted warmly by you yourself or, uh, or someone else that works at a coffee shop. Um, and, and, you know, I guess it's obvious for people listening, but one of the reasons to talk to you is um, you're someone who, who not only works in a coffee shop, but you are following what's happening in that it affects you. Well, yeah, uh, I tried to pay attention because it's relevant to my career, you know. Yeah, and I, and to some extent, I, I, I'm wondering. I mean, I think it is uh, something that is, I don't know, close to your heart. It matters to you, drug well, policy yes, in general. Definitely. I mean, I've uh, I've been involved in the drugs field most of my life. I worked uh, when I was 18 or 19, living in Glasgow. I worked in a drugs education unit uh, up there. Um, trying to do harm reduction information amongst the sort of rave, early rave scene um, that was happening in Glasgow at the time. And it was a, uh, a project that was designed really to try and reduce the harm both to the individual and to society caused by the uptick in drug use in Glasgow at the time. And not so much the IV end of things and the heroin abuse. Um, it was more about the, the arrival of ecstasy, LSD, amphetamines, and trying to make sure that kids knew what these things were and didn't get come to any harm from them. Mm. And so then you came over here. Uh, what, what was the goal at that time? Uh, was it also to somehow remain active on this issue? Or? Well, from my experience during that project, uh, I realized that the prohibition against drugs was obviously nonsense and doesn't bring society any help. The war on drugs wasn't doing any good back then. It's still not doing any good here. And... I came to Amsterdam really with the aim to get involved in the coffee shop industry yeah. and uh, and have been successful doing so and have enjoyed doing so as well. Yeah. Um, I like selling marijuana. I think everyone should be able to buy it, yeah. whoever they are, wherever they're from, which brings us to the relevant point now is that we're getting people who have read news reports and don't think they can buy weed in Amsterdam because of the weed pass coming in in the south. And right. This is undoubtedly a, re a result of the reporting that's happening internationally because yeah. I read the international reports and they are very unclear about what's going on. Yeah. But then there is the point that six months from now, if the law carries on as it is, this new law will apply to Amsterdam and 
we're going to have to work out some means to implement it unless there's a, a reversal in the current policy. Yeah. In case people haven't been following, uh, and this is one of the problems, right? We always have to catch people up because you never know. Maybe you didn't hear the previous program. The policy we're talking about is basically that foreigners, non-Dutch specifically, um, residents, non-Dutch residents, would not be able to uh, purchase um, cannabis, marijuana in a coffee shop, which at the moment, anybody above the age of 18 That's correct. can. Yes. And the other end of that is that the Dutch residents who do wish to purchase marijuana have to do so using a weed pass where they become a member of the coffee shop closest to their home and are limited to the amount of weed they can buy every day. I think it's three grams they talk about. And that also goes on some kind of database. And now, as far as I'm concerned, it's bad enough preventing non-Dutch people coming in, but the very idea of getting Dutch people to voluntarily incriminate themselves by putting their name down to a pass and then adding their information, their weed consumption rates to a database. So who controls this? We yeah. don't really know. And what does that information do? I mean, if you're a Dutch person on social benefits and you're spending money in a coffee shop, are you going to get your benefits withdrawn? I could see that happening. I could see it being quite likely. Do they pass this information along to health insurance companies? What's the issue there? Mm -hmm. So like serious professionals are going to be completely unwilling to get a weed pass because it attaches their name to something yeah. that's their private business. And yeah, who's this information going to be made available to? Yeah. The last time the Dutch started making a ID card, well, that was the Second World War and we know the result of that. And yeah, I hate yeah. to immediately jump a conversation into Nazism, but it always it, it's, goes there. It's, always a, it's a very easy metaphor well, and, and to, to fall down. You know, the the idea of registering users. Yeah. If there's any need for the state to do this, I don't understand why it is. Uh, to yeah. me, it's only to an ill end. Hmm. Yes, and it is a famous point of history. I guess it can be debated, but uh, that uh, it was very easy to track down who was what religion, where they lived, and a lot of background information for when the country was occupied uh, by Nazi Germany. But yes, the ID cards were implemented by the Dutch services. Mm -hmm. It wasn't something the Germans put in the Dutch government branch responsible for these yeah. records created the id card which was then used by the germans to deport undesirables yeah. um now again this is just it's just such an easy and simple thing to start jumping into that right, metaphor right, right. <laughs> however i can see the echoes of it and i can see why it's it's a bad idea for a, a drug user of to start making this information public to the yeah. government. It's yeah. just, it's not sensible. Yeah. And that would be one of the main reasons why even if you are, you fit the profile, you're a Dutch resident, yeah. you wouldn't want to be on a list anyway. So, no. and, uh, and, and many of the coffee shops don't want to force their customers to do it. They're supposedly to be limited to 2,000 members. So and the restrictions that are being placed on the business essentially force these businesses to close i mean right this right is, in the end that's the real message isn't it I that's guess. that's i i believe the aim of it the same of this talk uh recently the dutch are talking of putting through a law limiting the thc content of the marijuana coffee shop sell to 15 percent which from top to bottom the very idea of it is a farce i don't know much about thc percentage is there any way to <laughs> well there are ways to measure thc content in a bit of marijuana however the a piece of marijuana from two different areas on one single plant may well give you a different THC result. One bud off a plant that gives you a result one week, if left out in the wrong conditions for a week, will give, or even just stored for two weeks, will change its THC content. Mm -hmm. It happens, it breaks down. And so the idea that there can be some 
tried and tested method of going bang this weed is too strong and is therefore they're talking about making it a, a class one drug mm-hmm. like making it a hard drug on the equivalent with cocaine and heroin now that will apply to pretty much every hashish we have mm-hmm. you know these are a set of laws that are being put in essentially a hammer to crack a walnut yeah. you know it's uh it's it's unnecessary and is to my mind these laws are being put through specifically to get rid of the coffee shops. It isn't about control. It's about getting rid of them. Yeah. Because if I'm, as a, as an Amsterdam city centre coffee shop, if I'm limited to only allowing Dutch residents to come into my shop and spend money, I can't keep going in business. I have, I have probably maybe six Dutch regulars. Yeah. They come in for a cup of coffee every day. Right. Maybe once a week they'll buy a gram of hash. You yeah. can't run a business on that sort of trade. How trade is in the visitors to the country. So in a way, again, they make this policy up, and, and some people in the country, voting you know, Dutch people, may actually believe that it's a series of guidelines that will make it safer and so forth. But the truth is, in all practic- practicality, it's to, it's to shut down coffee shops and, and to introduce a sort of prohibition. Yeah, but, and, and I believe that what's happening in the South is already demonstrating how prohibition's a bad idea. We already know, the rest of the world knows that Drugs being illegal causes problems. In Holland, they've they've missed the experience of 30 years of of this, and they're about to get a, a sharp reminder in what it's like to have people on the streets dealing drugs all day, every day. And yeah. they're, they're already there in the South yeah. on their scooters dealing weed as well as pills, as well as cocaine, as well as heroin. They don't care what they're dealing. They're the classic old-school drug dealer. Yeah. And this is what the coffee shop policy came in to try and prevent happening. Yeah. And... To be honest, it's been a great success because statistics show that the Dutch have one of the lowest levels of drug use in Europe, and that includes marijuana as well as all the hard drugs, but especially what they call the hard drugs in Holland. They are much less socially acceptable amongst certainly my peer group in Holland than they are in my peer group in England. Yeah. The hard drugs, are people come into contact with them because when they go for weed, they buy the same drugs off other drugs off the same people. Mm-hmm. And uh, and that's why drugs become so entrenched in British society. Mm-hmm. In Holland, it didn't happen the same because they separated the soft drugs away from it. Yeah. People become people when they come into contact with the harder drugs are generally much older, much more mature, much more able to make a decision yes. about the what they're going to do, which doesn't happen in the UK and the rest of Europe. Yeah. And now with this situation coming into effect, it could well happen. We could well see a generation of Dutch youth suffer the real drug problems that the other generations of British youth and and other countries of Europe have suffered for the past 30 years. Yeah. Yeah, in many ways the world is going one way and and the Netherlands is going another. You could say that happened before 30 years ago, but now they're heading in yeah, well, yeah. It's a switch of roles. Yes, it seems it's Holland's now reversing in, in what I would consider to be the wrong direction. Yeah. Um, certainly the powers that be consider it the right direction, but I think this is the result of Christian conservatives being in power in Holland. Right. And, uh, and they, don't, they have a sense of shame because internationally the Dutch are considered the sex and drugs people. Yeah. And that, that obviously ticks all of their shame boxes and they've made efforts since they came into power to get rid of the red light district yeah. or to certainly limit and close oh, yeah. down and, yeah. and shrink the red light district. And the efforts have been continuous to try and restrict the coffee shops. And, uh, and I think, I think yeah. yeah, it's much to do with their, their international sense of shame. Hmm. The other governments of the world look at the Dutch as like, oh, they're all liberal, druggy, druggy sex people. 
right. and the fact that the people who are in power are actually quite repressed Christian conservatives must really get up their nose. Yeah, you know, and I think this is quite this policies that are coming through are, that has something to do with it. You know, I think that shame is is little understood, uh, especially here. You know, even if it exists, and as you said, they they act it out in mm. politics. But I think the average person who votes here doesn't even realize that there is a there's something going on with looking down at people who come here to come to coffee shops or to go to the red light district. I find not always spoken, but there is a sort of uh, we look down on cheap tourism. Or, well, certainly. Or not we. I, I, so I, I've I've. I've had this discussion with several Dutch people over the years and the Dutch idea of tolerance is all well and good, but tolerance is not the same thing as approval. Mm. So they will tolerate your unpleasant behavior, but they won't approve of it. They'll quietly disapprove of it. Right. And it's that quietness. And until it interferes in their life, then it's none of their business. And that is a very Dutch thing. Is is like you're quite insular. You don't really meet your neighbors. You don't. You leave your neighbors alone. You raise your kids. They raise their kids. You don't interfere with each other. Mm -hmm. You keep yourself to yourself. And that, yeah, and that is an, an extension of that. Comes this tolerant attitude. But tolerance is really not the same thing as approval, mm. and uh, and you can you can find that out quite rapidly if you're behaving the wrong way in the wrong day in the red light district. The police in that neighbourhood have a whole different set of rules of engagement with misbehaviour. Like they're allowed to get the rubber truncheons and the riot gear out at the drop of a hat, really. You know? okay. And uh, and yeah, and, and, and yeah, and misbehaving English tourists find this out that the tolerance ends pretty bloody rapidly mm -hmm. if they step over that line. Yeah. Um, but up until that point, the Dutch are prepared to look the other way. And that's not always a good thing because they'll look the other way at some really unpleasant things happening. Mm -hmm. You know, um, certainly uh, I don't think Holland's a very integrated society. And, and because of that, I think that's one of the reasons that Wilders has got so much play in recent years. Mm -hmm. You know, people are prepared to kind of ignore this unpleasant man in the corner. They would rather it go away. Yes, they yeah. they just look the other way because it's that's nothing to do with me. However, right. he's getting heard more and more because of the various insular neighbourhoods that haven't integrated that don't get on with each other. Yeah. So more and more people are getting pissed off with their neighbourhood because they've kept themselves to themselves and nobody else is raising their kids properly. You know, and uh. Yeah, the the huh, the not being integrated, or well, there, there's this desire to, and I kind of understand that. You know, you look back on a time in your life, maybe, and you say that was a great time. Maybe as adults get older, you know, they look back on when they're. So I, I find the Dutch have that thing going on as well, where I think they realize things are pretty good here. Uh -huh. I mean, they travel, right? Yeah. So they see other countries, and they go. They love to go to you know island, uh -huh. uh, maybe third world. And I think that something happens where they come home, not purposely, not expressly, but it comes out. Um, and they say, we better preserve things just as they are. Mm -hmm. So what can we do to preserve things? I mean, there's so much focus in this country on language. Yeah. It's almost taboo to criticize that you, that, you know, the, the, the way they love their language and I, they I, insist I, on I, it. I, I, I found it very difficult because I've lived here six years and my Dutch is still pretty rubbish. Okay. Um, however, I... I tried. I went. I did three, four months of lessons, and yeah, yeah, yeah. and my experience of it was I, I've been getting attitude from my Dutch friends because I spoke no Dutch. When yeah. I started to try and speak Dutch and spoke it badly, 
I would get regular instances of a friend stopping, shutting the room up and saying, you say that again, and everybody having a point and laugh at how badly I'm trying to say okay. Dutch. Okay. And I, that, to me, is, is crazy. And I, and I understand it's because their language is precious to them, and right. it's kind of amusing hearing someone do it wrong. But if I'm having a conversation in English with someone whose English is their second language, and their grammar's wrong, or they pronounce something wrong, but I understand what they're saying. Mm. I don't stop the conversation to correct them. I, like, let the conversation go with, I, I know you didn't say the right thing, but I understood your meaning. Yeah. And I don't find that happens in Dutch. I can kind of get a meaning across and know people will look at me like, no, you haven't said that right. Mm -hmm. You haven't pronounced that right. And, and that's a problem for them. You know, and, and I don't know, that's just an observation of living here and it made me stop trying. You know, I ended up, all my Dutch friends would rather speak to me in English than listen to me speak bad Dutch. <laughs> and, and, and you're stuck in this loop where you yeah. can't learn because everybody speaks better English than you speak Dutch. Yeah, I, I, I've taken a different route with the whole thing. I mean, I'm, I'm forcing my Dutch on people. But <laughs> what I see in it and I don't like is this um, importance placed upon language. To, to almost to an, uh, a sort of mean extent, because I, I think we've both grown up. I grew up in Newark, New Jersey. We grew up in cities where people don't always speak English, but they get on just fine yeah. and they survive and their children go on to school. And, and mm -hmm. I mean, life does function. And I think that the language thing is very connected to things like current changes in drug policy, which is this attempt to preserve some time in their heads, some quality that would be great if you could, you know, mm -hmm. preserve if you're living in a good neighborhood just as it is and so uh, forth. Um, but I think there's a, a disconnect there with the fact that things are always changing. Um, and, and, and so in this case, they adopt policies to try not to change certain aspects. So, okay, drug policy for the last 30 years, they're now changing it. But yeah. I think that they think through these policies, they're preserving the good aspects. Uh -huh. And that's what hasn't been dispelled enough, or at least not visible enough, right? They, they, well, yeah, I, I, I mean, I really don't see I quite... I that together. <laughs> it wasn't a bad, bad little idea off top head. No, I mean, I, uh, I can't... I mean, I can understand to some extent where these politicians are coming from, as I say, with their, they're not feeling happy about their international image. But at the moment, the people in charge are ignoring proper reports. They're, they're coming out with statistics to do with uh, the marijuana business being heavily, uh, heavily influenced by organised crime, um, which research has shown to be not really the case. Right. Um, they, they say that most of the marijuana is grown in bulk by organised crime and most of it is grown for export, mm -hmm. which is demonstrably not true. Yeah. They would have to be exporting, like, I think somewhere in the region of 50 tonnes a day if they're exporting the percentage that the government claims was going to export from this country, we would be exporting tonnes out of this country every day. Yeah. And we're patently not doing that. So it, it's, it's obvious that that's false information. Their idea that organised crime is involved in the growing of weed is ridiculous. Research suggests that the average grower of marijuana in Holland is a 42-year-old man grown in his spare bedroom to help pay his mortgage. Mm -hmm. And that's that's, that, that is the average grower in Holland. Is I think a 40... people think of, like a, of, think of massive gangsters <laughs> with huge fields. No, it's one man growing in his spare bedroom, maybe 10 plants, yes. maybe 20. Yeah. Growing something nice, taking it to the coffee shop, that's doing him. And this, to my mind, it's the part of the the business that has caused them to say there's criminality involved because it's always been illegal to grow marijuana. Right. And so the whole back end of the coffee shop, where we get our marijuana from, 
is still illegal. Right. There's no, there's no legislation, there's no rules about how that's done, except that if you're caught growing marijuana, you'll get into trouble. Yeah. You know, and uh, so the only legal part of the, or the only tolerated and approved part of the business is when I sell marijuana over the counter. And then the, the tax man gets involved in our profits and they take their cut of that. But the whole, what they call the backdoor to shop, isn't legislated. Mm-hmm. Now, that means that they can say that there are criminals involved in the coffee shop trade. Of course there are, because anyone yeah. supplying a coffee shop with marijuana is, by definition, a criminal. Yeah. And if they're organised enough to grow marijuana regularly to supply a coffee shop, you could stretch the definition to an organised criminal. Mm-hmm. You know, and, so, and you can't argue with that. Yes, it's true, because the law is set up in such right. a way. And, and here's the other quite unpleasant, and I think probably quite short-sighted, bit of this legislation because 30 years ago they didn't legislate the back door hmm. they couldn't really because they would have had to legalize weed and nobody can without a reversal of the united nations policy mm-hmm. however by the fact that they set up this system where they tax the profits out the front but don't look at what goes in the back you've essentially developed a license to launder money mm-hmm. now I don't know if that goes on. Certainly it doesn't in any of the businesses I've worked at. However, you have a system set up where it doesn't take a bright person to use that system to launder money. So then the government gets another reason to say there's organised crime involved in the coffee shops, let's cut them down. Mm -hmm. Whereas to me, the obvious solution would be to legislate the back door. Mm -hmm. To say to every coffee shop, well, look, you can licence, nominate X number of growers Mm -hmm. to do X amount of marijuana to supply that coffee shop. To me, that's a sensible solution to the problem is like you have criminals involved in the trade well license them i'm sure most of these 42 year old men growing in their spare bedroom would happily pay a cut to the tax man to be left alone to get on with their means of making a living seems sensible to me however if sensible ideas come from politicians you know they take <laughs> right. they take a lot longer than i expect them to right right yeah the whole the the way this supplying of coffee shops this inconsistent rule was made was always explained to me as a compromise between yes progressive people who wanted uh, an open drug policy and legalized legalization and uh the more Christian or conservative parties who didn't want any of it. Well, yes. So this is how they sort yeah, of booby trapped com- the whole thing. Compromise has always been the way of Dutch politics, and yeah. uh, and for a while it worked, you know. But the the obvious faults in the plan are beginning to show themselves, and they do give the government a good reason yeah. to, to make these claims against coffee shops. And yeah. now they're really not true, right. except by these definitions of yes, if you grow weed, you're a criminal. Yeah. So there are criminals involved in the business. Can't be helped. The law sets it up that way. Yeah, yeah. In a way, it, it it makes the Netherlands seem like the place that, for the longest time, people have been learning from, taking notes, what works, what doesn't. And now, once again, other countries are going to be learning from the Netherlands. Only they're going to learn what not to do. Well, until yeah. It, I mean, I hope people. Well, I mean, sadly, I think that if this go, if the new thing comes into effect, I think you'll see Holland's drug problems rise quite quickly and and from a from a sociology point of view it will be an an object lesson in what not to do when for so long holland had been providing the object lesson in how we should be doing Mm -hmm. things and now they move backwards and i think it will prove a point to all the countries who are looking at their drug policies at the moment and worldwide it's 
you know, you're now getting serving politicians saying we need to talk about the drug war. Yeah. And 10, 15 years ago, any serving politician coming out with that would lose his job fairly right. rapidly. Right, right, right. So the change is coming. It just doesn't happen at the pace that's going to help us over here yeah. in Holland, you know. But worldwide, I could see, you know, within 15 years, <laughs> I could see this changing. Uh, like... yes. There's a dog that comes in and goes out and comes in. So that's all part of the, yes, uh, the background. laps. <laughs> <coughs> the world doesn't use Holland's current reversal as an example of to hold up as a good example. Right. You know, I hope that they don't go, oh, look, Holland's changed their mind. Drugs must be bad. We best all stop this. Yeah. It could happen. Yeah. You know, it really could happen. I mean, uh, however, I have a feeling that the problems that are going to arise from this new policy will demonstrate why the old policy was the best idea. Mm -hmm. It maybe needed tweaking, as I say, with the backdoor stuff. Yeah. But it was definitely a far better way to doing things than putting all these dealers back on the streets. Hmm. And and again, this this has been the subject of conversation and articles in my own program in the past. But I want to make sure people really get this. Often it's said, "Well, they would never pass such a policy in the Netherlands. It's bad for business." And one of the things you've pointed out was, it's small. In yeah, the, in the sadly, grand... I mean, as much as as much as I'd like to think that the the marijuana tourist trade is what keeps Amsterdam going, what it keeps going is small level minimum wage bar workers, restaurant workers, small hotels. These are the people. Those who, the people we know. Yeah, <laughs> th these are the people who benefit from the coffee shop tourism trade. Now, these aren't the people who have the in, whose interests are those of the politicians. You know, the politicians don't care if we lose our jobs which will happen with this new thing, because the approval they'll get from the big banking industries who have their headquarters here will more than make up for it. The money that the, the coffee shop industry brings to Amsterdam is big dollar. Tourism dollar's all right, but it pales into insignificance when you look at the banking dollar okay. that Holland does, the money that it does with banks, with big international corporations who have that thing of, oh, you're the sex and drugs country. I don't know if we want our headquarters right. here. There's the connection, right? This there you go. There you whitewashing go. This, yeah, this is it. to the, invite more corporations. This is it. There's, you look in the, the central postcode, the 1012 postcode of Amsterdam, the big chain stores have been reluctant to put their shops in the shopping areas for many years because they don't want their big logo 20 yards from a coffee shop. They don't want the big Nike tick next door to somewhere selling marijuana. So they aren't going to bring their businesses to those parts of the city. Mm -hmm. So this is another part of cleaning up the city, the red light district as well, all of that. Central, central bit of property, city, yeah. huge real estate value. But the big money won't come to that bit of the city because it's full of coffee shops and hookers. Right. It's a lower and, end. And, yeah, and clearing us up will bring the, they think, will mm -hmm. bring the big money in, which in my mind will just make Amsterdam another generic North European wet, cold city with nothing else really to bring you to it. You know, mm -hmm. well, right, there's a couple of museums, yeah, Denmark, yeah. but there's museums in every Northern yeah. European city and they're all worth going to see. And Amsterdam loses its unique selling points. So having this reputation for tolerance and things that go on there that you don't see everywhere else. Yeah. You know, but they make up for it in the banking money. Right. So, so people will often think, well, they would never hurt themselves. But if you, if you consider that hurting, they'll take it. Yeah, they'll take, they'll take the hit on the tourist dollar for the money they'll make on the banking dollar. Yeah. That's so, what I think anyway. And, and here's the last thing, I think, uh, at this moment anyway. Um, we come back to the fact that this is not reality yet, this policy. Yep. It's a it's, uh, sort of experiment that exists in some small communities and now a larger one in Maastricht in mm -hmm. the south. 
Um, but I think what's happening also is that people believe that it's inevitable. There is this opinion of inevitability. It happens with quite a few policies around here. Um, so I think what people don't understand both in the country and perhaps outside, although it's more important that in the country we get this, is that it, it doesn't have to happen. Uh, well, that's true. Certainly now that we've got an election coming up, then there's every chance of this if the the right sort of politicians, well, from my point of view, get, in, get into the new coalition, then we could see them looking to change what goes on here. Um, sadly, the law that they passed... Yeah. Oh, cheers. Yeah, I like sandwiches. Um, no, thanks. I'm good. Sure. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, sadly, the, uh, the law that they passed means that it was passed in such a way that after this date it comes into effect here and after this date it comes into effect here. Oh. So the law that has passed means that as of the 1st of January, we're supposed to start implementing in Amsterdam. Oh, OK. Now, mm-hmm. the mayor doesn't want to do it, the police don't want to do it, none of the coffee shops want to do it. OK. Um, the general sort of consensus within Amsterdam is this is a thoroughly bad idea. However, Amsterdam is not Holland. You know, the voting power, and then we forget that in Amsterdam quite a lot, that we think the rest of Holland is like us, but it's not the case. Mm-hmm. And And so... It's very much up in the air at the moment. How will it be implemented? We've seen with the smoking ban how well that got enforced. You know, mm-hmm. it really very casually. You know, it's uh, it might be the case that it comes into effect and they just decide they're not going to enforce it. The police decide we can't spare the man hours, or they could decide they use it as a hammer and shut every coffee shop in within a few months. Who knows? Right. I mean, certainly from my point of view, we won't bother renewing our license if we have to do the weed pass. Yeah. There's just there's no business there for us. Right. There's no point doing it. I think it's a bad idea, and you know I think us and quite a lot of other coffee shops just won't even bother trying. Mm-hmm. I know that's happened in some of the cities in the south. They've just shut yeah. completely and said no. Let the street dealers take care of it, and then the police deal with that problem, yeah. Yeah. which the politicians seem to think is fine. And the politicians keep saying, "Yeah, the street dealers, the police will deal with that." And the police are, "Where do we get these extra man hours to deal with a problem that wasn't a problem a month ago?" Yeah, you know. And I guess, like, the rules that exist... For example, I didn't even know this. I went to the website uh, of the of the hotel and, and coffee shop where you work, and it says they cannot advertise or say anything about what is offered at the coffee shop online based we're, on Dutch we're, law. We're not allowed any advertising, really. As right. a coffee shop, we can't... We're very limited in what we can say, what yeah. we can offer. Um, we can say our name and that we are a coffee shop. Right. That's a pretty much <laughs> it. Coffee shop utopia... I'm not even sure we're allowed to have an address on that, oh, okay. that bit of promotion. That's hotel, yeah. yeah, you see, it, we're really the, the, there's not we're not allowed to have a picture of a marijuana leaf anywhere <laughs> in a coffee shop. Any visual representation of a marijuana leaf is in contravention of advertising laws. Okay, and I, I only bring that up because if someone's thinking, and I, I think of that occasionally, you know, when there's a, a speed bump or a wall, go around, find but. But in terms of room to try something else within the rules, there's no... There isn't. I mean, it's always been fairly well controlled since they brought right. in the licensing. Obviously, the front door part The front door, yeah. So. There's, there's like five ticks they can... Or five boxes they can tick to get you closed down. And it's mm-hmm. uh, under-18s on the premises, hard drugs on the premises, complaints from neighbours, uh. uh, more than 500 grams on the premises, and one other. I think the other is to do with uh, bookkeeping. Okay. But essentially, if you if you fall foul of any one of those, they can shut you pretty much immediately. Yeah. Um, and you, we get inspected generally six times a year. 
Yeah. We'll get the hit team so, into so the shop. So it's it's it's, all, it's so it's already controlled. Yeah. Um, we're already doing the the job of making sure kids don't get near drugs because we know we'll get shut down if we don't ID everybody. Mm-hmm. So we we're already doing that part of the job, which they worry about, and it's to me ridiculous because now that people are dealing on streets in the south, they don't care how old someone is. <laughs> you know, it's it's not an issue for a street dealer if it's a kid or an adult. You know, for yeah. us, it's very much an issue. So we ensure that, you know, the coffee shop system has ensured that people are a little bit more mature when they begin to have their experiences with drugs. And and that's made a difference to Dutch society in the past 30 years. And changing that around is, I think, going to bring some real harmful effects onto society. Mm. We shall, unfortunately, we'll just have to wait and see. Yeah. But all is not completely decided at this point. Well, well, that's true. I mean, given given that there's uh, an election coming in September... Um, given that unusually for for stoners in Holland there's a bit more activism about this That's current thing like mm-hmm. in the past the various restrictions that have come against the coffee shops people have just kind of gone yeah yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah alright we can still buy our weed we'll carry on but this thing is is actually like people are sort of sitting up and taking notice because they're like what you mean I've got to register myself I don't like the sound of that right. so people are beginning to become more politically aware of what this might mean and given that there's an election coming up in the next few months i'm hoping that those who can will go out and vote in the right way to make sure that the people who make up the coalition will have at least have a look at what's going to happen and maybe put a pause on it maybe reverse it and in my most optimistic moments maybe legislate the back door and get Hmm. rid of the problem completely All right. I think there's no better note to end than on that one. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Nell. It's a real pleasure to, no to be here at your house and to be able to hear you from your personal experience. Cheers, Mark. Nice one. Thank you. Call my friends and tell them there's a party come on by. Now just roll me up and smoke me when I die. Roll me up and smoke me when I die. People are probably used to me using a few songs at the beginning and at the end, but... In this particular podcast, I thought Willie Nelson and friends could do a good enough job to be at the beginning and the end. Uh, Just some last notes on today's program. First of all, I I really loved, as a listener of this program, yes, I do the program and then I listen to it, and I really enjoy uh, hearing Nell's take on things, and it's part of what I like about podcasting, that uh, you can hear a person in their home, you know, and speaking about something that they live, that they work. Um, I just thought I would comment on that. Things that are coming up that I wanted to tell you about. Um, next week, there'll be the banana podcast. Uh, for a long time, I've been talking about bananas and annoying people with banana stories and banana questions. And finally, uh, Dan Capel will be on the program. Full, uncensored conversation. I've released bits and pieces of it uh, elsewhere, but this here on our podcast will be the full thing and then i'm about to embark on a journey to portugal where i have to take care of my grandfather as my grandmother is uh as she has a broken leg and she's in the hospital so i will be in the countryside just hanging out with my grandfather making sure he's okay and that means quality time in portugal and what does that mean for the podcast well we'll find out it'll either be me maybe it'll be my grandfather uh and and who knows you know voices from portugal surely have a lot to offer Uh, just as they do anywhere else in the world. So you can look forward to that. And you can go to Citizen Reporter and read posts, because I will be posting, as always. And you can, of course, hit me up on PayPal, Flatter, 
you would go there to send a little donation to keep the program going, keep the bills paid. I appreciate everybody who does it. I appreciate you if you're thinking about it and about to do it. It's all part of the process. So thank you, and see you next time. See ya. Roll me up and smoke me when I die. And if anyone don't like it, just look on in the eye. I didn't come here and I ain't leaving, so don't sit around and cry. Just roll me up and smoke me when I die. Just roll me up and smoke me.